Welcome to episode 119 of the Gluttons for Punishment podcast, or GFP, a Toronto Maple Leafs and NHL podcast hosted by Michael Lepore and Anthony Bruno. Thank you so much for listening and watching us on YouTube as well. The NHL season is officially underway, and the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs are 1-0. Oh. Let's go on their way to a President's Trophy. Yeah. You heard it here first. It was a wild opening game. They beat the Montreal Canadiens 6-5. to five, Multiple lead changes. The game was actually a complete shit show, mm. if I'm being perfectly honest. So we are going to give you our thoughts and opinions on everything that went down on opening night. Our thoughts on Austin Matthews. On some of the new additions to the team. What we think about the team moving forward. We're also going to get into the Edmonton Oilers getting their asses kicked 8-1 against the Vancouver Canucks. And then we might even talk about Connor Bedard, who is now two games into his NHL career. So this is going to be a jam-packed episode. We have a lot to get to. But before we get into everything, it is time to officially welcome in my partner in crime, Mr. Michael Lepore. How are you doing today, man? Very good, Anthony Bruno. Happy to be recording a podcast, a regular season podcast. That time is upon us. I had to write the note to my wife informing her that uh, she won't see me until June because I will be square on the couch for the early games as well as the late games. Very excited. It was uh, nice to watch the buds and uh, with, you know, an anxiety filled game like we expect all 82 times of the year, you know, never making things easy, but it's fun. It's fun to be watching hockey. It's fun to be caring again, man. Yeah, my girlfriend is not excited whatsoever, no. just like your wife, because I watch sports all year round. And now that hockey season starts, it gets even worse yeah. because I'm sitting down and watching every single Leaf game and other games as well. So, uh, yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's not great for the wives and girlfriends out there right now. Yeah, I think I'm going to uh, get an alert that my Sportsnet Now subscription has been uh, canceled by someone. I don't know, maybe my wife will put it in the call pretending to be me or something. Jesus, we're in trouble, man. But you know yeah. what? It's worth it. Yes. It is worth it because yes. hockey's back. The Leafs are back. Let's get right into our thoughts on mm -hmm. game one. So the Leafs came away with a shit show of a 6-5 victory in the shootout. Uh, this game kind of had everything. Austin Matthews, hat trick. John Klingberg looked really solid in his Leafs debut. Two assists. Looked really good on the power play. He led all Leafs defensemen with over 24 minutes of ice time in game nice. one. Nice. Uh, Ryan Reeves got into a fight with Arbor Jackai. I mean, it wasn't, wasn't that big of a fight. But Ryan mm. Reeves bringing the energy. You know, he gave the little bicep flex. Uh, during the intros, Brad Treliving was like getting all giddy when he saw that. He's like, yes, my guy, he's here. The culture has changed. Oh, my God. And then, uh, oh, another note, uh, Matt Murray on the bench during player introductions holding a crutch. Mm. Um, I didn't see that. Yeah, they they introduced him. Okay. Uh, right after, like, they introduced, like, like, the video got the video coaches and, like, the obviously key after coaches and <laughs> okay. they went into like the healthy scratches and and then matt murray was there holding a crutch wearing a nice suit i should add yeah but, there you uh, go. i'm sure i'm sure the cheer he got for being on ltir was the biggest cheer he's received since becoming a toronto maple leaf yeah exactly i guess the leafs figured if we're gonna send this guy to Roby Da island we might as well give him his little moment in the sun here on opening night 
Yeah. Uh, so that was nice. Um, but yeah, Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, uh, they look pretty solid as well. Fraser Minton, I didn't really notice, to be honest with you. A lot of yeah. people were excited to see how he would look on opening night. Um, I'm going to give the kid a break. His first NHL game. Uh, you know, I, I, is he still nine? I think he's 19 years old. He's 19. So, I mean, he's world. He's world junior eligible. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I don't have high expectations for him. Nyes, I thought had some some nice looks offensively. He looked dangerous. So yeah, there's a lot to get into Lapore. But what are your thoughts? Oh, the other thing, Ilya Samsonov looked like shit, giving up five goals on 24 shots. But yeah. what are your thoughts on the game, the six five victory, and uh, and anything that stood out to you? Okay, Anthony Bruno. So this game. Now, I've been a Toronto Maple Leafs fan for over 30 years. I'm giving away my age here. Over 30 years, I've cheered for the blue and white, okay? And I've seen a lot of things. Embarrassing losses, blown leads. Make the list. Ha, 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 Leafs fans. Last night was something new. Because one thing I didn't think the Leafs were capable of was the most embarrassing win in the history of the National Hockey League. We make the joke all the time and say something is very Toronto Maple Leafs. How many things happened in that game last night that were just so Toronto Maple Leafs? It was like three minutes in, Brody blows the tire to give that breakaway because of course. And is Samsonov going to save it? Of course he's not, right? Then the giveaway by Lily. And then the goal Caulfield score. I think that one went off. Brody and Giordano kind of locked Sammy's view of it. Just brutal all over the place. But in Maple Leafs fashion, I mean, there's something going on in the betting world, and it's been around for a couple of years, is wait for the Leafs to be down two and live bet it. Because it seems to be a good bet for the return. And last night would have been one of those nights. I mean, depending how late you bet it, it would have been amazing for you to bet it when they were down 5-3 late. But a lot of negatives, man. But I'd rather see... I'd rather see these crazy blatant mistakes than just poor play because those blatant mistakes are fucking flukes, right? And when they ha happen collectively, you look awful, but Brody will probably not do something that bad for the rest of the season. It just happened in game one, three minutes in. I'm sure Lilligren will have turnovers, but maybe he doesn't have one worse than that. And again, it happened in the same game, but the Leafs dominated the puck. They dominated the shots. They dominated the chances. I thought Allen had like a weird game. Like he was making great saves. And then also the goal, a lot of the goals were very questionable. Um, Matthew's Matthew's second goal being one of them. Of course, Gregor's goal, he, he should have stopped. But opening night, the Toronto Maple Leafs are officially a circus. I won't listen to anyone who thinks otherwise because last night proved it, man. So buckle up, everybody. Buckle up. We got 81 more games of uh, of this. So The first thing that I thought when the Leafs went down 2 nothing, and then it looked like they were down 3 nothing, and thank God that oh. Caulfield goal got reversed on the offside. I go, here we go again. Another horrible October. Another horrible start to the season. They're going to have to dig themselves out of a hole. What's insane is that the last two years, they've gotten off to bad starts in October. And they've had their two best seasons in franchise history mm -hmm. from a regular season perspective. Mm -hmm. All right. I mean, the regular season here, 115 points and 111 points, despite getting off to two horrible starts and back-to-back -back seasons. 
What I liked was that as sloppy as they were defensively, and I'm hoping that they got all of this shit out of the way in game one. Listen, there's going to be stupid giveaways and plays that make us go crazy throughout the season. But that collection of stupidity and mistakes, I don't even think we're going to see that the rest of the season all in one game. Like, it just seemed like everything went wrong. But what I loved is despite all that, Austin Matthews and this team offensively just went into fuck you mode and said, you know what? This game's crazy. It's back and forth. It's a roller coaster. But we're just going to outscore these guys. Yeah, we're down. And that's what I love to see. Matthews with a hat trick. He looks like he's back. I don't want to go as far as guaranteeing he's going to score 60 goals again, but I think this dude is in for a 50 to 60 goal season. He's going to have more than 40. Like last year, he got off to such a slow start. I believe Chris Cuthbert said on the broadcast that he had one goal in his first 33 shots last season. Yeah. So he's already got three goals. That was that was positive. The power play looked good. At first, I was questioning the power play because it just it, it looked completely out of sync. And I go, what the hell is going on? Did Guy Boucher just fuck up this power play? <laughs> Should we go back to Morgan Riley on the point? Like the Leafs had the number two power play in the league last season after all. But uh, as the game went on and when they needed to score, uh, the power play stepped up and offensively, this team stepped up. Nylander. Looked really good as well. We haven't even mentioned his name yet. So I like that they battled, that they said, screw this. We're going to outscore the Habs. I know they obviously had to win in a shootout. So it was technically tied. And they Marner had that nice shootout winner. But it was nice to see because going back to the playoffs, Lepore, and not even just last playoffs, but the last like three to four seasons, this team has struggled offensively. So I'm hoping now with the addition of Tyler Bertuzzi, of Max Domi, of John Klingberg on the blue line, who might have issues defensively as the season goes on. That remains to be seen. It seems like this team is deeper and better offensively, and that's what I love the most. It's time for a quick break for a word from Manscaped. Hockey season is back, and we are gearing up for the action. Make sure you look ready with the real all-star of the league, the handyman from manscaped this dual action foil shaver is your ultimate power play against unruly facial hair it'll have your face as smooth as freshly zamboni dice get 20 percent off and free shipping using our exclusive code gfp20 at manscaped.com that's 20 percent off and free shipping using the promo code gfp20 at manscaped.com lapore manscaped just does not miss it's happened to all of us, Anthony Bruno. We're driving, we're out of red light. We flip that mirror thing down in our car and we see a few pieces of stubble that we missed. So Manscaped saves the day with the handyman. What a product, so convenient, small, fits anywhere. Like Bruno said, manscaped.com, GFP20 for 20% and free shipping. Manscaped is always looking out for us, fellas. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you have hair, they are there to help us out. Mm. oh god i love you manscaped all right you heard it (laughs) get 20 percent off and free Mm. shipping using our exclusive promo code gfp20 at manscaped.com go to manscaped.com and use gfp20 for 20 percent off and free shipping i promise you will not be disappointed how'd you think bertuzzi looked i think i'd listen to arguments for both sides of that i thought he looked good uh it, it did seem like he was a little out of sync to start the game as if 
he wasn't ready for a couple of passes that Marner gave him specifically where it was like, oh my God, I can't even believe the puck is is on my stick in this in this situation. He had a couple missed opportunities. And I think it's just a matter of getting into a rhythm with Matthews and Marner. Like it's got to be tough playing with those guys. I know he played with them throughout the preseason, but it's going to take a little bit of time to get like fully in sync. But I think as the game went on, Bertuzzi got more and more comfortable with them. And I honestly think that's going to be one of the best lines in the NHL this season. Yeah, I'd like to look at, I feel like he had a lot of chances. I, I haven't had a chance to look up the numbers of the game in terms of how many attempts on net he had. Um, you mentioned being hard to play with them. I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's kind of pressure filled playing with two names like that, because I will say that he did look a little anxious. Like he looked nervous. Like the old saying, Oh, he's gripping the stick too hard. I kind of saw that in him. And on the topic of that line, here I am being super critical in game one. And I love the guy. I thought Marner had a bad game, like oh, a bad wow. game, a, a bad game in the sense of like my expectations of him where, you know, he takes over. He's very involved. He always has the puck. As far as Marner's standard goes, I feel like I didn't hear his name as much as I normally do or notice him being dangerous as much as I normally do. So, I mean, again, one game, but he's got to be better. I think Domi too, man. Domi, again, probably nervous. Who knows? But I didn't think he looked overly confident. I thought Klingberg looked fantastic. Just confident. Every time he gets the puck, he is confident. And I was wondering what they would do come game one of the regular season if they would put him on PP2 and uh, keep Riley with the first power play. Uh, whatever they seem to decide on seem to have worked because the power play was clicking and creating chances. Um, it's it's tough, man, because we, we play this game and they win. And and I'll, I'll say this, Bruno, what is the mood in Leafs Nation today if they lose that shootout? Oh, or, or people they... are pissed. People are like, here we go again with this yeah, stupid it's team. It's the same team as the last two seasons. Yeah, and I've I've actually always had this take about the shootout and it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything in the standings, but I just dislike how even from the team's perspective, you interview the winning team after the game of a game that went to uh OT and shootout and the winning team, like it's all positive, right? You know, we got the two points. We played well, battled hard. And then the losing team, it's all negative. It's like, well, we went to a shootout. I mean, we're, we're totally basing things just on the result. Judge the journey, not the destination, right? And even for fans, of course, because you're just happy they got the win. Um, Leafs fans can be excited in the fact that this team didn't fold and they fought back. But where we have our expectations set with this team, they got to be better. They got to be cleaner. I'm sure Keith ripped them a new asshole even after the game, after that win. Because he did last year when, when they looked bad, when they, and it, it was open and in the media. And I have a chance to see his uh, press conference. Um, like, you're Mr. Press Conference. Maybe you can fill me in on how on what yeah, he said. Yeah, I did watch the, it. You know me. I'm yeah, the press for, conference nerd. Yeah, woke up, woke up early to watch it on YouTube, right? The 15 minutes of uh, the same questions over and over again. But... There's to me, I don't have much positive to say from this game other than it's good to see Austin Matthews score a hat trick and hopefully he is where we want him to be. And they got two points because playing that way will not be good enough. And we all know that that's not even a take for any team. You you can say that you cannot allow goals like that. And 
as far as Sammy goes, yeah, Sammy, the, the numbers were bad. But which goals do you look at that like, wow, he should have had that? Yeah, there weren't, honestly, of the five that he let in, there weren't too many that were like terrible. I still obviously thought he could have been a lot sharper than he was. Mm. I'm trying to think of like the specific goals. I mean, give us a save on that that Jake Evans breakaway when yeah. Brody blows a tire. Give us a save there. Uh, I'm trying to think back to some of the other goals as well, but well, there was at least three that probably weren't his fault. Yeah, well, but the one, he just looked the... like he was like swimming all over the place. It was just one of those typical like, all right, Samsonov just doesn't have it tonight. Like this dude is just out of sync, does not look comfortable. Not like the worst game I've ever seen him play, but for the love of God, can we not give up five goals against one of the worst teams in the NHL? Yeah, it the uh, the Lilligren giveaway goal. I mean, you're not going to blame a goalie after something like that, and it's a one-on-one with the uh, with the shooter, but he was way out of the net. Like, it was a pretty slick move and a, and a great finish, but Sammy, I don't know. I think he got to be better than that. I watched it again today. A friend of mine actually made the point saying, like, yeah, he looked bad on that goal, and I didn't remember how. I'm like, ah, you know, it was one-on-one. I'm not going to blame the goalie, and then I saw it again today, and I was like, yeah, like, he he was way out, and like, he gave the shooter that opportunity to put it upstairs, I don't know it was with Sammy man and this is not this is not reasons he buys based on the way he played last night the overall feeling about this guy if someone said like simple question do you believe in him do you believe in him my answer would be no and I hope to be proven wrong like I think he can be an average goalie is what I think and I think it's one of those cases where you put an average goalie in a good defensive system um like the Toronto Maple Leafs their numbers are going to be pretty good and people they're so quick just look at save percentage it's like well you'll you'll see trends where I remember for a while every goalie who played for the LA Kings in their heyday had an amazing had a fantastic save percentage it's like well it's not a it's not just a coincidence that they're all really good no it's the fact that they're playing with this system and this and the types of shots they're receiving but with Sammy man I, I think so much can be judged on goalies just even on the saves they make, the shakiness, the confidence, like the ultimate was Carey. I feel sad to say it was Carey Price. Just no panic, smooth movement, subtle movements. And that was always my criticism of Flurry. Everyone knows my favorite player. He was so erratic in the net. So it's like, no, that's not, that's not what you're supposed to be. Like I said, the Price style, the Lungfist style, just calm. No matter what the shot is, no matter what the chances, it's calm in the net. And I find Sammy has some of that in him, but I don't know if I believe in him or that we can rely on him. My answer, I hope I'm proven wrong, but my answer is no. I don't think anyone can say that they believe in Ilya Samsonov because I mentioned this on a previous show. I feel like I mentioned this on every show, honestly. He only played 42 games last season. Like as good as he was, he had the best season of his career, 919 save percentage. He only played half the season. Like, this is not a workhorse guy. You can't rely on this guy for 50 to 60 games. And he has outings like this. And this happened in the playoffs, where he had some horrible moments, honestly, in the playoffs. Like, obviously, the Leafs had to turn to Joseph Wall against the Panthers when the series was already over. But I don't have a ton of confidence in Ilya Samsonov. I actually love that point you made that with the Leafs, They, I think, are one of those teams where they're so good. And listen, they're going to be better defensively than they were in game one. It almost doesn't matter who's in net. I believe it was Alex Petrangelo who said this on the 32 Thoughts podcast with Merrick and Friedman. 
he mentioned that last year Vegas was so good and like they had their system down so well that he said it did not matter who was in net, whether wow. it was Aiden Hill, Logan Thompson, Laurent Brassois. I'm surprised that that clip didn't actually get more play. Like I remember listening to it. And again, I, I think it was Alex Petrangelo who said this. He was like, yeah, it almost didn't matter who was in net for us. Like they're going to put up good numbers because we're, we're a great team. We're a well-oiled machine defensively. And, you know, as much as the Leafs have like this horrible reputation as being bad defensively, they've been really solid defensively under Sheldon Keith the last couple of seasons. Like last year, they were really good defensively. And you hear it from other coaches around the league. I remember even John Tortorella said it last season that Sheldon Keith does not get enough credit for how he's turned around this team defensively. And even just look at like Matthews and Marner, like they've turned into two of the most complete players in hockey. So I, I would like to believe that it almost doesn't matter who's in net, but there's no way you can be confident that Ilya Samsonov is going to be the starting goalie like at the end of the season. Like it could be Joseph Wall. I mean, for the love of God, it could be Martin Jones for all we know. Like this could be a situation like last year with Vegas where the Leafs are just like going through goalies. And I don't think it's going to be that crazy where, you know, Toronto's going through five goalies. But Lepore, I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever if Samsonov plays another like 40 games and then Wall's in there for 20 games, you know, maybe 25. And then Martin Jones is in there for like 15, 20 games. Who knows if, if one of them gets injured. But I don't think we can confidently say that Samsonov is going to be the guy at the end of the season. Yeah. So right now, like I would say, the briefcase of a million dollars, will Ilya Samsonov be a Toronto Maple Leaf at the start of next season? What would your answer be? Oh my God. Ah, uh, Jesus. I'm going to say he will be. Okay. He's I'm going to say he will be, but again, like I, I, I so you give him a raise like a tandem then. situation, but you give him a raise then. And that's the thing, right? Cause he was awarded. What was it? Three points, something in arbitration. Yeah. I, I just think like you, you go around the league, like even look at Carolina, who's considered one of the elite teams in the league. They really don't have a number one goalie. Like, Technically, Freddie Anderson's their number one goalie. He got the first start of the season. But they also have Auntie Ranta. Uh, Peter, I can't even pronounce his. Yeah. Uh, Pyotr Choikov, whatever the hell his name is. Like, he's in the mix as well. Yeah, we've had Vegas, same situation. Like, they have Logan Thompson and Aiden Hill. Like, even look at Boston, for that matter, with Allmark and Swayman. Like, I think no matter what, Wall and Samsonov, I can't see either one of them being like Connor Hellebuck or Andre Vasilevsky and playing like 60 games. Like, I think it's just very rare. And again, I'm not saying that they're going to, they have the same talent as those guys, but it's very rare that you have a goalie these days who's playing like 55 to 60 games. It's only like the elite guys who are doing it, like Shesterkin, Sorokin, two other guys that come to mind. So I'll say Samsonov will be a Leaf next season, but I, I don't think he's going to be like a workhorse by any means. Okay, so this tandem is just like a progressive thing with the Toronto Maple Leafs, yeah. the whole tandem idea. Pretty much. Oh, I guess it'll put us in the exact same situation next year. Oh, man. That Vegas comment, that's a funny one because that can be interpreted two ways. It can be, it can be interpreted that, yeah, we had our system in place and we were so good and we believed in our goalies, so it didn't matter who was in nets. It didn't affect us. Or our goalies aren't that good, and it, but it didn't matter because we're so good, so... Uh, I don't know, man. I'll take the uh, I'll take the latter because it's more entertaining. But uh, that that comment is something. 
Goaltending. And again, I I wanna I'm like almost hundred percent sure it was Petrangelo on the 32 Thoughts podcast. Now I have to go back and try and find the clip. Yeah, but, it sounds uh, like something a Paisan would there, say. What's that, Lapore? Is there, it sounds sounds like something a Paisan would say, you know, tearing down. Uh, yeah, Petrangelo doesn't give a fuck. He's got two Stanley Cups now. Like he's been one of the best defensemen of this generation. Maybe that's being a little bit hyperbolic, he's, but he's, he's one of those he's up there, man. He's one of those guys because someone asked me once, like, is, is Petrangelo in the Hall of Fame? And immediately my thought was like, no, nah, I don't think so. Like, he's really good. But I don't think he's Hall of Fame. And then you look at everything he's accomplished and you're like, mm, yeah, like he very well could be and almost surely will be when he when he's all when he's all wrapped up. And come on, him and his uh, Nona and Nona eight passes out of the Stanley Cup. So yeah, I mean, he's got to get in. That image is worth getting in. Favorite on the GFC podcast. Man. The, the the mob's gonna get him in the Hall of Fame. They're gonna make the call. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The NHL doesn't have a choice. Petrangelo yeah. is going right to the Hall, man. Mm. All right. Well, before we move on to um to other topics, one thing I also want to mention from this game is that I thought the Minton Nyes Yarn Croak line did not look that good. And I know I mentioned that Nyes had some chances and he he looked dangerous just as he did in the playoffs last season, but that line got caved in. I was just looking at the numbers on natural stat trick. So at five on five. Uh, Fraser Minton with him on the ice at five on five Leaf, Leafs were outshot 10, seven, or I should, I should say shot I'm attempts tempted. were 10, seven yeah. in favor of the Habs. And with Nyes on the ice at five on five shot attempts were 13 to six in favor of the Habs. So those are the two guys that stick out where they just got caved in. I mean, even Klingberg for that matter. Uh, he, I mean, the, the numbers say that the Habs outshot the Leafs 17 11 with Klingberg on the ice at five on five. It didn't Shit. appear that way from the eye test. Well, it was because Klingberg and McCabe are a pair, and McCabe also had a minus seven shot attempt differential. So, him and Klingberg didn't have like the greatest night. Just that was a bad like, mistake against that was a bad mistake McCabe made on that goal when he jumped. Yeah, I didn't think I mean, there were so many. The other ones were so bad. The looking giveaway and the uh, Brody blown tire that didn't get enough attention. He Very unlike McCabe. Everyone knows five on five. His numbers are like super elite when yeah. it comes to getting scored on. Bad, bad mistake to let Montreal fly down the other way. Yeah, like last year with the Blackhawks, McCabe was one of the only guys on the team who had a positive goal differential at five on five on that shitty Blackhawks team. Yeah. So I'm not going to look too much into that. And Sheldon Keefe, you mentioned that I watch all the press conferences. He was really impressed with the fourth line of Camp and Ryan Reeves. Like he he said the fourth line was really solid and Noah Gregor. Um, and then he he kind of just said like, you know, Fraser Minton, like he was he was good. He said he's he's adjusting to the speed of the NHL. I just didn't. I thought that third line was probably the Leafs' worst line. Yeah. So again, I mean, it's two rookies basically. Like Nyes is 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 still a rookie at this point. So I'm not gonna look too much into that. But I was not very impressed with that third line. So I'm hoping that that they can figure it out. And listen, who knows how long Fraser Minton is gonna be here? Like I was the Leafs say. have a lot of guys that could take that third line center spot. Even some guys who are with the Marlies. So we'll see what happens with that. I was going to say, at some point, we have to send him down, don't we? To Kamloops. 
Yeah, you would think it's, I mean, the, the kid's 19. Who knows, right? I mean, it was a surprise that he even made the team out of training camp, but I, I don't think this guy is going to be here for 82 games. I could be completely wrong, but it just What's seems unlikely at this point. Let him go down there, gain confidence. He'll have a real shot at the World Junior team. That'll be a great experience. Yeah, I, like, I don't see the real and true purpose of having him around playing with the big club. Yeah, and we'll see how it progressive progresses. Who knows? Maybe over the next like ten games, he he looks really good, and they're like, "Oh my god, we got to keep him around." Like one example that I heard was Wyatt Johnston on okay. the Stars. Like he was a nineteen-year-old last season, played the entire season in Dallas, was a really good depth player for them. Had like almost twenty goals, forty-ish points. Like who knows? Maybe Fraser Minton is going to do that for the Leafs, but it's it's unlikely. Those are rare cases, yeah. especially with guys who aren't like top picks like he was an early second round pick let's not go overboard here and think that he's like this top prospect with all this pedigree yeah all right i don't think there's anything else from this leaf game so let's move on now to the edmonton oilers getting their asses kicked bruno's favorite team my second favorite team the edmonton oilers getting the doors blown off losing eight to one to the vancouver canucks Thatcher Demko had to leave this game because he had flu-like symptoms. Apparently, this dude threw up in his mask oh. and, and they had oh. to take him out. And the Canucks still beat Edmonton 8-1. to one. Now, Dreisaitl and McDavid, they got on the score sheet. They both of course had a point. They did. Of course they did. And on Saturday night, when they play the Canucks again in Edmonton, they're probably going to score like five goals. But just mm-hmm. a brutal start to the season for Edmonton. A team that a lot of people picked before the season to win the Stanley Cup. I always look at the Sportsnet predictions and I see who all the all the pundits picked to win the Stanley Cup and a lot of the times it's pretty funny. I mean, people probably laugh at our takes as well and, you know, I, I think, you know what, the Lepore, I think we have really good takes. Not Not, I don't want to be too Once biased. Obviously, I'm very biased, <laughs> but we have some great fucking takes Yeah, that have bad. aged really well. Listen, we have some takes that have aged terribly, but we have a lot of takes that have aged Really damn well. But anyway, it seemed like half of the Sportsnet uh, pundits picked the Oilers to win the Stanley Cup. So what are your thoughts on Edmonton opening the season, losing 8-1 to one to a Canucks team who we aren't even sure is a playoff team? Yeah, the whole thing with the Oilers is, and like I like the Oilers. They're obviously a really good team with that two-headed monster leading the way. But I, I was asked a question, okay, you picked this team to win it. You picked them. And I feel sometimes people get that push of, oh, it's it's kind of their time. I mean, no one gets anything they don't earn. Like, oh, it's your time, the timing. No, that's horseshit. So like, how can you sit here right now and say they're better than Vegas? Like what, what has happened in the last few months that it's like, no, this team is better than Vegas. What problems have been solved and how did this team get so much better, right? Craig uh, Craig Button actually on TSN he he was asked who's going to win the Stanley Cup he said Vegas like calmly just yeah he, I love their D I love their depth great culture there great system coaching he's like they're going to the win way, again Craig Button one of the most polarizing media figures like you yeah. either hate him or you love him I don't think there's any in between with that guy yeah he he likes to throw in his uh, his thoughts on the Toronto Maple Leafs and always adding extra words of uh of nudge to like our uh, our anger obviously on purpose to get the reaction but Edmonton's a great team they're going to easily make the playoffs 
yeah, can they win the Stanley Cup? Of course they can win the Stanley Cup. They have a chance. They have, they have a real and true chance because they have they have the talent. But to pick them, like I'm not going to pick them. You have, you have to show me, right? As far as the game last night goes, we I, I love to play the game on this podcast of what if that happened? What if that was the Toronto Maple Leafs? Now it was oh, different. There's pitchforks and people are oh. marching down the street. They're heading to Brendan Shanahan and Bradshaw Living's office and saying, "What the hell did you do to this team in the off season?" After mm. one game, people are already saying the leaf season is over if that happens last night. Literally today, this morning, people would want Key fired. That, oh, yeah. That, Keith, that... oh yeah, people would want him gone too. Everyone, <laughs> the whole front office and coaching staff gone after one game. Yeah, and especially with with Matthews extending, now they're gonna be the highest paid player in the league. It would have been so so bad. And again, that is Toronto, but it's, it's gonna it's gonna ask questions. Uh, like I went over, like it's funny because I, when I went to bed, I forget what the score was. I think it was three nothing. Then woke up the next day eight, eight one. Holy shit! <laughs> like what did I miss? And then I went on YouTube and watched the extended highlight package. And I was getting ready for my first question was okay, how many goals was Campbell in for? was the first thing I asked myself, poor guy, this is not a good start, especially after his amazing preseason. And he was in for four. It was four and four. I think they both only had 12 shots on goal. It wasn't an overly high number of shots that Vancouver had. And yeah, so I'm looking at an Alapore Campbell and Skinner both gave up four goals on 16 shots. Okay. So it was 12 saves. They both made, they both made 12 saves. Um, so then, okay, like, oh my God, these must have been brutal. And then you watch them and yeah, it wasn't really kind of how we said about Samson. I was like, yeah, maybe you should have had it, but it wasn't like an absolutely dreadful outing from their goalies. So that was the biggest question mark for the Oilers coming into the season. Will they get better goaltending consistently and especially from Campbell? So again, that question is going to be answered. Your team lost by seven goals. Your team lost by seven goals to a team like you said Vancouver Vancouver's a nice team and they and they have talent but it wasn't like how Ottawa had to go into Carolina last night and even then to lose 8-1 I mean I don't, I don't care who it is so to make it even worse it happened with an average team it's negative it's negative and I'm and I'm going to be hard on them because that's how people would treat the Leafs and you know you know what's that I'd I'd like to look up everyone who picked Edmonton to win the Stanley Cup Okay, and this means nothing. Just because something's never happened before doesn't mean it won't happen now. Has a Stanley Cup champion at any point during the season in which they won lost a game by a touchdown? I, I want to say I, no. I feel like it's probably happened, but in I'm the 80s recently, or, I want to say Tampa may have got blown out at one point during one of their two Stanley Cups. Okay. Over the last few seasons. But there's um, blowouts. Like, you have to look at them individually. Do you have to get more specific? Because, like, there's blowouts where a bunch of crazy stuff happens and it's just kind of weird. Like, a, a, two goalies get injured or something, like something stupid. Whereas last night was like, no, it was a pretty straightforward beating at the hands of the Vancouver Canucks. Yeah. Like, Elias Pettersson was phenomenal. Four points. JT Miller, four points. Brock Besser, four points. Quinn Hughes, three points. The Canucks, listen, we, we talked about this on the season preview show. Like, they're a borderline playoff team at best, I think. And who knows? Maybe they're going to surprise people and be a top three seed in the Pacific Division this season. But I still don't, you know, I'm not going to pencil them into a playoff spot based on one game. 
Like their over yeah. under point total, I believe was 88 and a half when we looked at it last week. Yeah. So high eighties to, to make a statement like this in game one against Edmonton, like that's brutal. And let's stop the charade of thinking that Jack Campbell is, is, is a number one goalie for this team. I get it. They gave him a five-year deal for 25 million. It's like Sergei Bobrovsky, right? Like the Panthers gave him a seven-year deal, $10 million a year. He's had his ups and downs. Like their, their hand is forced. Like they have to play him. The guy's a $10 million goalie. They have to keep going back to him. And I get the Oilers want this to work. Everyone in Edmonton wants this to work. But I think it's time to stop the charade here. Like, he stinks. And I know he had a great preseason. And he was really solid when he was a member of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Even though, like, his last three to four months as a Leaf was a complete abomination. Um, But he he was an all-star as a Leaf. Like, he had some really nice moments as a Leaf. But it's gotten to the point now where... You know, and I think about Jack Campbell's confidence. Like, he had a great preseason, and then to start the season like this, getting pulled after allowing four goals on 16 shots, it's just rough, man. So I think they just got to roll with Stuart Skinner, who obviously didn't play well yesterday either, but he was thrust into a difficult situation. Uh, I just think Edmonton has the same issues, really. Like, their goaltending is questionable. Defensively, they're still not great. So when McDavid and Dreisaitl don't go nuclear, uh, don't go into God mode, then this team is going to have trouble winning games. And, and you look at Vegas, like who did Vegas lose in the off season? Riley Smith? Like they're still a really good team. They're better defensively than Edmonton. Wow, Maybe offensively, they're not quite as good, but you could argue that they're deeper. So yeah, I mean, I know we, we like, I picked Edmonton to win the division, but there's no reason why Vegas can't have like another 108 to 112 point season this year. Yeah, but the regular season doesn't matter, Bruno. Again, I made the when we did the over under episode, some teams don't care. Vegas doesn't care if they're they if they're first, second, or third. Whereas I think Edmonton, even though they're past that too, no, they want to blow the doors off everybody. I think they really want the quote unquote easier matchup in the uh, in the first round. Your take on the Campbell Skinner situation is accurate. Everyone deep down knows that Skinner should be the goalie and they should just ride him. But the fact of the matter is Edmonton's not going to do that because number one, you have to keep going back to him because you're paying him the money you're paying him to try to justify that money. And second, if you're not, I mean, the dream for Edmonton would be able to trade him. And if he's not playing, no no one's trading for a $5 million backup. So it's going to keep going, man. He's going to get his share of games. And we've said before that we love Jack. He's the type of guy everyone roots for because he's such a nice guy. And he he always says the right thing. And I think, I I didn't think his demeanor was right for Toronto. I got kind of sick and tired of him being the boohoo, blaming himself all the time. And once in a while, I like to see the goalie get fucking angry, right? Be that crazy goalie. But it's just, it's a bad situation. And I think sometimes people forget. Here, like, I'll, I'll pick on the Leafs. So, I don't think it gets enough attention, the opportunity the Leafs had during the entry-level deals of um, uh, Matthews, Marner, Nylander. That uh, Patrick Marlowe deal, think of what the Leafs could have added to the like that team, that very good team, at that time, what they could have gotten for, what was it, $6 million? 
Yep, six. I think it was like a three-year deal for six million that Lou gave Patrick Marlowe. Just a, a horrible contract. Horrible. It's like we could have got like Eric Carlson, like at the time or something for that value. And I don't mean in the literal sense, but they could have got a number one defenseman, right? And I look at this Edmonton team, and these guys aren't on their entry-level deals, but we see the charts all the time that McDavid will be worth like 18 million or whatever if there was no cap and if uh, he got what he actually deserves. So him at 12 and a half, dry saddle at eight, one of the best contracts in the league. We might look back on this and say, this team never won the Stanley Cup because fucking Jack Campbell got $5 million. Imagine they could add another slick winger or to their defensive depth with that 5 million. Like we're talking about this team and like, I'll make that point to the people who say that, okay, again, Edmonton can win the Stanley cup, but to pick them to win the Stanley cup, they have 5 million in wasted money on Campbell. So if your take is that this is the best team in the NHL and they're going to win the Stanley cup, you think they're so much better than everybody else that having a 5 million goalie doesn't affect them neg- negatively enough to pull them away from the cup. So that's what, no, not going to do it. Like I, I, they can do it. They have the talent, but to point to that team and say, this team's going to win the Stanley cup, I think is craziness. And especially since they didn't really make any upgrades in the off season. Like I know they're going to get a full year of Matias Ekholm, which is a big yeah. boost to the blue line, but yeah. it's not like they, you know, did what Ottawa did in the off season and bolstered the lineup. And now you have like Tim Stutzla ascending. And I'm not saying that Ottawa is better than Edmonton, but Edmonton really didn't do anything in the off season to be like, Oh my God, this team is that put them over the hump. They're just running back the same roster. Like even the Leafs made like, not significant changes, but some pretty big changes, like swapping out essentially Michael Bunting, Pierre Engvall, and Justin Hall for Tyler Bertuzzi, Max Domi, and John Klingberg. Bringing Again, in Bruno, Ryan Reeves. The the five million. Imagine Edmonton could push Campbell off the books and they could assign Bertuzzi. Yeah, now that would have been amazing for their top six. Now we're freaking out a little bit. We're genuinely freaking out at that lineup. And I love the point that you made of the Leafs not taking advantage of the entry-level deals for Matthews, Marner, and Nylander. Because during that time, this does not get talked about enough. It's very similar to the NFL when you have a star quarterback on a rookie contract. Brock Purdy, not... baby. Brock Yeah, like Purdy. look at Brock Purdy in the 49ers, Nation. Like. It's insane to me that the 49ers, like, there's a salary cap in the NFL, and I have no idea how that team stays under the salary cap because they have so many star players at every position. But mm-hmm. they can do that because they don't pay Brock Purdy anything. And yeah. it's it's very rare that this happens in the NHL, and it does not get talked about enough. The Leafs had three legitimate stars on entry-level deals, and there were some just stupid contracts and stupid decision-making at the time. Like you go look at the roster. Like I'm looking at year two of Matthews, Marner, Nylander. Like you had Kadri, James Van Riemsdyk, who scored 36 goals in the 2017, 2018 season. Uh, Tyler Bozak, Zach Hyman, Connor Brown. Like there were some, some solid players on this roster. And then you have Patrick Marlowe there who actually had a decent season in 2017, 2018. He scored 27 goals, but I mean, good Lord, the guy was making 6 million. It's just, I think teams have to identify like, oh my God, like we have 
some really good young players here. Like let's surround them with talent before we have to pay everybody. Yeah. I think it's, I, I think in that to do that directly, like everyone says that because of Chicago with tasing Kane, because they were on their, their entry level deals, but it's just so hard to time. And to be fair, I think with the Leafs, it was kind of an accident. Like I think even the Leafs front office that year did not think they were going to be a playoff team and everyone was picking them to finish in the basement. But you had these kids come up, and this is the reasoning for it. These kids came up, and they were impactful, very impactful. And then you do look at the lineup. Like, you went over them. JVR, Bozak, Kadri. I mean, they already had Riley. I mean, Gardner, ha, ha, ha. He still was a serviceable defenseman. They had guys. And, like, not amazing guys, but you were putting these kids into a team. And to be fair, for, for that team, it was the kids leading the way. And then like the, the the list of names I just mentioned, I mean, that's a pretty decent supporting cast. <laughs> but again, Patrick Marlowe at that dollar figure, figure fucked it all up. And back to the Edmonton topic, I could very well see that being the case with Jack Campbell. That's an inter- interesting discussion, okay? Legit. You're Edmonton. You're in this window. We talk about what you have to trade as a sweetener to get rid of someone. If I'm Edmonton, I, I almost don't know what I wouldn't trade. Yeah, like I'm, as as- I'm not even thinking about attaching a first round pick. Like I'm doing it in an instant to get rid of Jack Campbell at this point. Honestly, first round, Bruno, if if they if it if the ask was even two, two first right round now, picks and Jack Campbell to just to dump him. I mean, that's I maybe a little bit steep, but these first round picks are going to be low picks, right? Exactly. I wouldn't argue with Edmonton if they said, you know what, these guys we pick at like twenty fifth overall are going to be NHLers in four years. No, no, we have McDavid and Dreisaitl now. If they made that call again, it'd be steep, but I wouldn't hold it against them. I'd be like, the oh, they're trying did to the win. same thing to get out of the Marlowe contract yeah, and some is. of their other contracts. <laughs> Way to go. <laughs> like Dubas gave away like a lot of draft capital to get out of certain situations. And sometimes you just have to do it. When your team is really good and you're in win now mode, like you kind of have no choice, honestly. Yeah, but think even Marlowe, that was a first and he had one year left. Like, usually you think, hey, he's a name. You can get him somewhere. or Someone will take him. And you have to give up something. That was a first. So Campbell, with four years left at $5 million, like a $5 million backup goalie. I don't know, man. If you're a, re- if you're a rebuilding team, if you know you're going to be a trash team for at least the next two to three years, thinking, okay, we'll take that for the, uh, the assets that are going to come with it. And then maybe we can dump him two or three years now when he's got less uh, term on his deal and that cap hit is less percentage wise because with the cap going up not a bad play i'd love to know those conversations i would love to know those conversations. yeah if you're one of the shittier teams in the league i mean go down the list arizona columbus san jose anaheim like take the assets take the cap hit and the assets and away you go and keep mm-hmm. building for the future yeah so we'll see i i think it's a very real possibility that this guy gets dealt at some point so We'll see how that plays out. Listen, I still think McDavid's going to win the Art Ross. The guy's going to have 135 points. Dreisaitl's going to finish second in scoring. This team is going to be fine, but not the way you want to start your season, getting blown out 8-1 to one against a team that we're not sure is going to make the playoffs this year. It's going to be tough for McDavid to win the Art Ross with Matthew scoring, like, what, 240 goals? Yeah, exactly. Matthew's yeah. going to win the Art Ross, the Rocket Richard, another Hart Trophy. It's the year of AM 34, man. <laughs> yeah. Back, baby. Yeah. All right. Before we close out this podcast, we got to talk about Connor Bedard, 
who's had a nice start to his NHL career. Of course, I put money on him to score in his first game. A goal? And, yeah, to score a goal in his first game. Okay. And of course, he scored in his second game when I didn't run it back and put more money on him. Uh, uh, but he did score uh, in his second game against the Boston Bruins on the back-to-back. So in two games so far, Bedard has one goal, one assist, 11 shots on net. He's looked very comfortable. He's looked very dangerous. This guy's not afraid to fire the puck. Um, I mean, listen, Matthew scored 40 goals in his rookie season. I think 40 is maybe, I mean, that's that's yeah. tough to do. Like Ovechkin scored 50 in his rookie season. Crosby, I think, scored 36, I want to say. Something Matthew's like that, had yeah. 40. But if this guy, and McDavid, his rookie season was cut short due to injury. But I, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility that this guy can score 40 this year. I don't know yeah. if he quite hits 40, but I, I could see him finishing with 35 to 40 goals this season. Yeah, I think I saw that the over-under on his points total was like 68 and a half or something close to that. And here he is. He's got two points in two games, so his pace is 82 points um, for the math whizzes out there. But even beyond him having two points in two games, watching him, like I watched that entire uh, Pittsburgh-Chicago game. And I'll be honest, watching Bedard in his junior hockey and his uh, his play at the World Juniors, not that I thought that, okay, this guy is going to be a boss. Like, like I never had that take, but I did question how he was going to translate to the NHL based on his style, like how shoot first he is and how he maneuvers around the ice. And even with that, I still thought he was going to be an amazing player. I'm just talking about like the, him getting to the Crosby McDavid stratosphere, but watching these first two games, like I said, I watched the entire game versus Pittsburgh. He is so dangerous. There is just so much offensive, natural God-given talent there that every time he enters the zone, I'm kind of nervous for the other team. Awesome. Awesome player. And again, being honest, I didn't, I wasn't sure if I liked him yet. And you've no, you don't know these guys and just, you know, body language, how they wear their gear, whatever, what they say in interviews. I wasn't sure if I was going to root for Bedard yet. And again, not that I would hate him, just if he'd be, if I'd be a member of the fan base, I like him. I, I, I like watching him. Like I said, I like his explosiveness. I love his speed, trying to score every time. And you teach kids at a young age to, Shoot with purpose. Don't shoot it. Shoot with purpose. And he shoots with purpose every time. Like that stick snaps. That kick point snaps the bottom of the stick. And that's coming with a lot of velocity. So I'm impressed. And I'd like to know what the over-under on his points total is now because I'm regret not hammering the over. Yeah, it looks like Bedard is going to have a really nice rookie season. I don't know if he gets to a point a game. I don't know if he scores 40 goals, but... I mean, look what this guy did at the World Juniors. What did he have? 20-something points in, like, seven record, games? <laughs> like, I mean, he's just he's just absurd. And he, he's not, like, I mean, no one's as explosive as Connor McDavid. And maybe he's not quite as natural of a goal scorer as, let's say, like, Matthews or Ovechkin. But it seems like he just has, like, elements of everybody, of, like, all of the the young phenoms. And he's just, like, his own guy. And I think he's going to be great. Like, he does not think twice about shooting the puck. 11 shots on goal in his first two games. That's a stat. That, like, that's this a guy, stat. and it, even looking at, at at shot attempts. Um. So, okay, this is with Bedard on the ice at five on five. 
Blackhawks' first two games have out-attempted their opponents 37-34. But I want to look at individual shot attempts because I feel like that's probably like off the charts. You're on natural stat trick? Yeah, I'm on natural stat trick right now. I can never find the individual ones. You know, I love natural stat trick, but they get have a better like better mobile mobile website. <laughs> so look, I, I just found it. Individual a, shot. You're smarter than I am, Bruno. <laughs> individual shot. I mean, this is just like dumb luck that I found it this quick. 16 shot attempts at five on five. And in all situations, 18 shot attempts in his first two games. Crazy. So, yeah, I mean, he's he's the real deal. Uh, I think he's going to have a fantastic season, and I think he's going to get very close to uh, to scoring 40 goals. Mm. But Lepore, is there anything else you want to get off your chest before we wrap up this podcast? Well, I mean, we added the gray last night from the uh, Leafs' first game, but we're all strutting because uh, we got the two points. And always good uh, for the Leafs to get two points on a night that Montreal does not. I mean, we were playing them, and Ottawa does not either. So, you know, the Canadian divisional divisional rivals hate us even more today. But good first game. Glad to get it out of the way. And like we said at the start of the show, it's great that hockey's back, man. Whether you're a Leaf fan, whether you hate the Leafs, you're a neutral. You don't have a favorite team. You're one of those people who just roots for players. If you're a gambler, fantasy guy, whatever, for whatever reason you watch hockey, it's 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 a great time of year. And beyond beyond everything, yeah, like Bruno and I are huge Leafs fans, but we're also huge hockey fans. So it's fucking Christmas right now, baby. Yeah, this is this is the best time of year. Besides like the Stanley Cup playoffs, obviously, like the start of the NHL season is always so exciting and. You know, you're following your fantasy teams, your hockey pools, your bets that you're putting in. I suck at pools, man. You know those ones where like it's like five players in a box, and you just pick one. Those are tough. You go through, and you're guessing every time. Like I, I'll just go through it, and because I just pick my favorite player from each box. But it was bad. My nephew's hockey team does uh, a fundraising pool like that every year, and we we get a lot of entries. We get like a hundred entries. I think I was like 70 something like here. I'm the pod. Everyone knows me as the podcast guy. They're asking me for advice and whatever. And I'm uh, on that website every day near the bottom. Like way to go. Lapore. Yeah. You really know what the fuck you're talking about. Lapore. We got to up your fantasy hockey game. I got to get you into my long running league, man. There's some psychos in this league that I'm in. Is it a, is it a keeper league? Like it's not a keeper league. We redraft every season, but so it's a 12 team league and we play on Yahoo and like guys in my league. We'll wake up Monday morning at 2.58 to pick up players at 3 a.m. Eastern time. Like, it's insane. Oh, my God. Because, like, when you run out of ads for for a specific week, you have to wait until Monday morning for you to get your ads back. And Mm -hmm. people are psychopaths. Like, they're setting their alarm for 2.58 a.m., waking waking up, getting their first ad in at 3 a.m., trying to beat, like, the three other guys that also set, set their alarm. So... (laughs) <laughs> it's just complete psychopaths that I'm playing with. Competitive competitiveness is hilarious, man. Competitive, what like it drives people to. I played hockey with these guys. They had a pool going. Uh, I, I assume it's still going. It was going for like 20 years, where it was a keeper league. They would literally have a circle draft after every NHL draft and go through the entire list. So you would so every player drafted in the National Hockey League is owned by someone, and it was to their contract whether you'd keep them okay, and that's because, psychotic oh man because it goes year by year too if guys know they suck 
they'll trade for assets to build for the future and you're tanking because you're trying to get like Bedard or something. It would, it was, it was beyond man. Like total too much commitment, too much commitment. Good for Lord. Me. Like I love fantasy love hockey, but that's maybe even too psychotic for me. Like that's yeah. just, that's just insane. Yeah. Like these, they'd come to me and be like, Oh, uh, what do you think of uh, Chandler Benino? I'm like, who's that? He's like, yeah, the Leafs drafted him in the sixth round. I got him in fantasy. I'm like, oh my God. <laughs> like, Listen, man. we do a Leafs podcast. I love hockey. I love sports, but I don't know every fucking player who was drafted last season. I'm not going to remember every single player the Leafs drafted, like their seventh or sixth round pick, because I don't give a shit who they yeah. picked in the sixth or seventh round. Until they're like at least upper tier Marlies. I mean really what's the yeah. point? yeah anyway mm. some people are just next level but hey i respect those people because comment I, down I, below I'm... tell us your stories your crazy fantasy league you play in or the craziest thing you've ever done to try to win a fantasy league i'd like to i'd love to read those yeah that would be awesome let us know down in the comments but that is gonna do it for episode 119 of the gluttons for punishment podcast or gfp a toronto maple leafs and nhl podcast hosted by michael lapore and anthony bruno if you are a new listener or a longtime listener and you really enjoyed this show, please consider giving us a five-star rating and review on either Apple or Spotify. It would do us wonders. And if you're watching us on YouTube and you really enjoyed the show this week, smash the like button, subscribe to the channel, leave a comment down below, and ring the notification bell so you know exactly when the GFP podcast is posting some new content. So for Michael Lapore, I'm Anthony Bruno. Go Leafs, go! And we'll see you in the next one. Thanks, everyone.